Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. If you're new to the show, this is where I talk with everyone in the space that can help you level up your business, whether it be just starting out on Amazon, you've thought 2022 was the year to start the entrepreneur journey, or if you've grown your business to the next level and you're maybe looking to learn about exiting your business or just want to know um, what opportunities you can to grow your empire, your e-commerce empire, if you will, to another level uh, internationally or whatever your goals and ambitions are, we want to educate you in this space. So without further ado, this is what Crossover Commerce became. Um, this is episode 214. And like every other episode, this podcast is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Who's Ping Pong Payments? We are a cross-border payment solution helping international sellers when it comes to either paying their VAs, their suppliers, your manufacturers, pay them out in localized currency, putting more money back into your pocket. Or if you're selling on multiple marketplaces, whether it be on Amazon, Rakuten, Coupang, uh, Mercado Libre, the list goes on and on. We talked about yesterday, 200 plus marketplaces that exist worldwide. There's a lot out there. And if you happen to be growing your business on those platforms, let Ping Pong collect more money for you to help you save on those fees when it comes to international transactions. It's free to sign up. Just go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast to look at our past episodes plus signing up for free. Just mention crossover commerce. Without further ado, it's Friday, uh, February. It's not January anymore. February 4th, um, according to my clock here, um, we are... Because it's Friday, we like to have a little bit of a more uh, interaction, uh, more of a conversational podcast. I'm really excited because typically on the podcast, if you're familiar with our format and setup, it's live. So we get to ask questions. You get to ask questions if you're listening to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, if I can speak today. Um, and if you have those questions, go ahead and put those in the comment section below, wherever you might be watching, and we'll be able to see them here on our platform um, and throw them up on the screen. But if you happen to be listening to us later on, or if the audio format when this comes out, you can also just tag our um, our guest, and we'll be able to get those questions answered. But one of my favorite topics to talk about, if you've if you're familiar with the show, is the aggregation space, or the roll up, or the brand acquisition space in Amazon and e-commerce. There's so many iterations out there. We've had many of them on before, in terms of brands, companies. Uh, it might be private equity companies that we've talked to, or just you know other brands absorbing friends or businesses that they might have done before. What really intrigues me, and maybe it's for a lot of sellers out there who have asked these questions too, is what happens after that acquisition, right? There's typically that that process. Once you exit your business, what does that look like? Your brain doesn't die. It just moves on to a bigger, better place, hopefully. In that space, that's where the aggregator or the brand acquisition company exists. That is fantastic for a lot of different sellers out there, but my job for you today is to find out and peek behind the curtain, if you will, behind the Wizard of Oz uh, curtain, if you will, and see how the inner workings work. What's the next steps once that handshake, that pass off happens, if you will, and where a brand's kind of legacy lives on. So we're going to be talking with really cool company called Suma Brands today. I'm really excited because I have both on one of their co-founders and CEOs, uh, Andrew Savage, and I have their head of brand marketing, Elena, as well just fantastic people pre-show that we were talking beforehand. So let's go ahead and talk about today. We are calling this episode, let me go ahead and pull up my notes real quick, how Suma Brands approaches branding, marketing, and omni-channel. So if you're taking notes, make sure that you have plenty of paper. We're going to be chat, uh, diving into all of those different topics today. Welcome to Suma Brands. Uh, Andrew and Elena, I'm going to go ahead and meet both of you, and we're good to go. Both of you, thank you so much for hopping on today. Hey, thanks for having us, Ryan. Really happy to be here. Yeah, appreciate it. I got my random thought. I, I love your intro song. I was thinking about this. Like we do so many, you know, video meetings and stuff. It, I think I want to have like an intro song for you need me. a walk up. song. Everybody should have like their walk in song, you know? Absolutely. That's uh, playing in sports myself. I had a walk in song for baseball, too. I'm trying to think about off the top of my head since you mentioned that. But uh, for both of you, I, I've always 
uh, thought, you know, waking up was a good intro song for like the circle of life or something like that. That would be pretty epic, but we'll have to think about that. If you're listening to this live, let us know that walk-in song via Zoom meeting. Yeah, yeah. comment with like, what would your walk-in song, if you're, if you're listening, like comment in, what would your walk-in song be for like your Zoom meetings? I, I think we're going to maybe try that at Sumo. Where I, was I was gonna like, say, you're the head honcho, Andrew. You can implement yeah, to make meetings more fun and, you know, I, I like that. I like that idea. You inspired <laughs> that, Ryan. Elena is just shaking her head over. She's like, oh my God, what did, <laughs> what did I, what, what did I uh, agree to? No, it's a pleasure to have both of you on. Andrew's joining us from, uh, I almost said Wisconsin. That's not okay. Um, <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota. And then Elena, you're joining us from Brooklyn, correct? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, both of you, welcome. Um, it's a pleasure to have you both on. I'm assuming you guys see each other quite often, but for the, those who are listening and watching today, uh, tell me a little bit about Maybe we'll start with you, Andrew, since you're the co-founder, uh, CEO, if that's okay with you. Um, wh where did uh, Sumo Brands kind of originate from? What was like that journey coming to this business and uh, where we are today? Yeah. Um, well, again, thank you for having us. And yeah, in terms of the journey to Sumo, I mean, there's sort of two sides to the story. One is, you know, the personal arc of my career. Um, was involved with e-commerce from the really early days, helped build Target.com. Um, out of school, spent some time with Amazon, helped build a business called Dolls Kill out of San Francisco. And you know, sort of the arc of my career had been getting more and more entrepreneurial and had always wanted to found a business and, and be a startup CEO. Um, and so that was, you know, one driving motivation. And then I would say like, you know, as, as I progressed in life, as I've gotten older, I guess, um, I've just had an increasing appreciation for the fact that like a lot of the depth in life is created by little day-to-day -day moments um, and not, it's not necessarily the big things, right? It's little things that happen day-to-day -day that make you smile, make your day a little bit easier. Um, and realizing that like a lot of those moments are created by great products and inspiring branding. Like we all have had that experience where you, you buy something new, it changes your life in some little way. And then like, you can't stop talking about it um, to the people that you interact with. And so like I, the, the ultimate goal for Suma is to be involved with more of those experiences and, and really bring um, what we have, you know, from decades of e-commerce operation and scaling businesses online, you know, bring that to bear on really fantastic um, brands and products that founders have started, you know, in the Amazon marketplace. And so we really see our role as like, how do we amplify um, these really, really strong starting points that founders have, have gotten off the ground and how do we get their amazing products into the hands of more consumers through more channels and how do we enhance and professionalize the branding that's wrapped around that to make those consumers feel even better about that interaction so you know at the end of the day like that's the driving force behind suma that's why we're all here it's what gets us out of bed in the morning is how do we get great products into the hands of more customers um, wrapped in brands that really inspire and, and connect with them um, and that's that's what we're doing yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, going to your website, which it looks very well, uh, well put out there. I would say it's more brand focused than almost any other, maybe aggregator space. And I'll, I'll, this is a pat on the back, maybe for uh, Elena, Elena or anyone on the marketing team. Of it looks more like a branded site that if I was an agency or if I'm somebody who um, wants to work with a person who's brand focused, this is where I think the website is that first gateway, if you will, and that's where I see. Um, whether it be updated recently or not, that's my first perception as well. So seems like that's coming through in the marketing and, and just when you walk through that virtual door, if you will. So yeah, that's uh, great to hear. Elena gets all the credit for that. Um, and Elena, you should you should intro yourself. Yeah, I was gonna say, Elena. Yeah, speaking of it, and now that we buttered you up, uh, uh, what's that background for you? If uh, you would tell us. Yeah, um, yeah. I came from the advertising in industry. I was in creative agencies for my entire career. I started working on. Fortune 500s. I was on uh, companies like Samsung, Rolex, Nike, um, Uniqlo, some really big brands um, with equally big budgets. And so loving that work and, and doing, you know, like big takeovers in Times Square and TV production and out of home. And then most recently for, for the last three years or so, I pivoted to focusing on startups all of all stages. We worked on um, Series B first ever integrated marketing campaigns, and then even like very early seed stage friends and family fundraise, like very finite budget to to figure out what to do with from a marketing standpoint. And I just really fell in love with that space. I was working really hands on with 
founders and CEOs in the very early days, you're super strapped for resources. You don't have budget to bring on a marketing lead. And so you're really leaning on your external agency for a lot. And so it becomes more of like a consulting role. And so that really led me to this space. Um, through a mutual connection, met Andrew, we had an unbelievable conversation, sort of just became obsessed with the FBA space and everything that was happening. And just the idea that you could turn this like unbelievable nugget of a product that was having a real impact in someone's life into a really compelling brand. So that's how I landed here. I joined last year and it's been really fun. Yeah, I was gonna say for, for 2020, it seems like for those in the Amazon space, it seems like a decade ago that when 2020 hit, I'm sure for both of you. Um, so you guys are coming out of that. That's such a cool, fantastic. How big is the company uh, to date? It's a fully remote company. So you guys aren't all in one state. How big is the company um, entirely? Yeah, so we're, we're fully remote. We we're technically headquartered in Minneapolis. We have a critical mass of people here, um, have a, a bunch of people in the New York um, city area where, where Elena is. And then folks around the country and some around around the world, um, you know, we're we're growing really rapidly. Um, you know, we've gotten <clears throat> past several of the pivot points. If you think in like kind of the three tens, you know, it's um, everything about the way that you do things changes when you get above three people. And then when you give about 10 people and then 30 people and 100 people. So we've been you know through a bunch of those pivots um, and yeah, have a, have just a fantastic team, uh, like I said, distributed uh, around the world. A lot of different backgrounds, perspectives, and you know, our goal in this business generally is to try to get the best group of people possible around each of the brands that we're working on. Like that's really important to us. I think that you know, underlying success in a space like this, you have to have people that um, are capable, but also just passionate and dedicated and like obsessed with you know, how do you make product experiences better? How do you more closely connect a brand voice and vision to the customer set that you're selling into? And so our goal, whether it's our team, whether it's um, founders that, you know, remain involved with us, um, whether it's advisors, you know, and board members that we have for the business, like we're always looking for how do we put a new accretive perspective or set of experiences, um, you know, or, or a set of capabilities like around what we're doing. And we're really fortunate to have a fantastic team. Um, and it's been, you know, I think really a good thing for us to have kind of launched this in the middle of the pandemic from the perspective that, you know, we never really had the option to be, you know, geographically centric in one location and kind of come together easily. Um, and, you know, the silver lining there has been that we've, we've picked up, you know, just amazing people on the team that are in locations, um, you know, that don't happen to be where I am or where Elena is. And we've got, you know, a really great toolkit for collaborating um, and working effectively across distance. So anyway, I'm just, I'm super proud of the team. We're growing really fast because we've been through a bunch of those pivot points. And our goal, you know, remains, let's get the best group of people around whatever we're doing possible um, and work productively toward, you know, delivering additional value for the customer, whoever the customer set, you know, is in that case. I love that. No, that's really cool. Uh, so in that capacity, let's, this kind of, where, where did like Sum the name Sumo come from? I'm always super interested. Um, and then in the name and the logo is pretty cool. Like I, I'm a, I have a visual communications background. I am a big logo nerd. Uh, when it comes to any sort of brand recognition, where did Sumo come from? Well, I love that you love the logo because my wife designed it, so I can um, I there can, you go. I can pass yeah. on the compliment. She'll be very very <laughs> pleased. Um, yeah, so the name Suma, you know, it's hard to name stuff as it turns out, um, and so you know, did kind of a name storm, and we're trying to find the right um, you know the right name for the company because I think that's important. And we were really interested in the visual of like the Amazon rainforest. I think it's like you know. It's, it's not an original, but it's an interesting, you know, analogy to the Amazon ecosystem. And what we're trying to do is acquire, you know, great products and the kernel of inspiring brands from out of that marketplace and then grow them out of that. And so we got kind of obsessed with this idea of like, well, how about a type of tree that grows above the canopy of the rainforest? And so there's a tree called the Suma Uma tree. That's actually the Portuguese um, name, the local Portuguese name for, a, for the Kapok tree. And it's a tree that grows to 80 plus meters, just a gigantic tree, right? And it like rises above the canopy of the rainforest. And so we took a little liberty um, just for, you know, ease of pronunciation <laughs> and brevity and shortened it to Suma. Um, so that's that's what it is. And, you know, we it represents what we're trying to do, which is acquire, you know, great brands from the Amazon rainforest and, you know, grow them out of that and above that 
um, to reach customers more, more broadly across more channels and to really build equity in the brand and not just, um, you know, the product is a transactional purchase on Amazon. Yeah. Strong roots and obviously has a good base and foundation yeah. and can continue to grow. Makes sense. Yeah. It works on a lot of levels. And somebody pointed out to me the other day that it also, you know, um, means some or like summation. Um, and so that's obviously, you know, one thing that we're trying to do too with the aggregation piece of this model is like bring a lot of pieces together and make the sum, you know, greater than um, the parts. So, yeah, we like it. It's turned out to be a good name. I think it seems like that's what it always should have been at this point. But like anything, when you started, it's sort of it's new and you got to get used to it. But um, but it feels very familiar now. No, absolutely. So um, as, as a company, do you guys uh, publicly announce like how many brands are we to date looking at that's either acquired or you grew in house? What, what is that operation number looking like right now? Yeah, we don't we don't announce it, and it's mostly because like our focus is again on on like building brands and building brand stories and, and equity. Like our, our goal is, you know, we're very interested in um, you know scale and efficiency and like all of the things that we've done throughout our careers, and it's like a core part of this model. But again, like for us, you know, the guiding light and where we want to end up is with you know a decades durable portfolio of consumer brands. And so, you know, I think the outward focus on just the mechanics of scale and you know, everybody's got their playbook and there's all these steps you run through and week one and month one and blah, blah, blah. Like everybody has that. I think something that makes us unique and different is the fact that like we don't view this as a pure utilitarian, like mechanical play at scale. We view that as part of the model, but the underlying like the underpinning of lasting value, we think, is the ability to have great products that solve a customer problem in a unique way and great brands um, that are inspirational and connect with customer sets around those products. So we don't want to detract from, you know, those storylines associated with, you know, our individual brands with like kind of a focus on just portfolio size and scale and like mechanization, you know, all of which we have pieces of that throughout what we do, but it's, it's sort of not the thing that we're the most proud of. No, it makes sense. So with, without regards, I didn't hear you once say we're only focused on Amazon branding and acquisition. I heard consumer product goods, which means a lot of different things. That means it could be a D2C play. It could be a, a marketplace play of any capacity. Um, that gets confusing quickly um, for a lot of people. And they don't like that convolution of uh, maybe I have to figure out what's the split between a brand or coming on to Amazon or going off of Amazon. There's a lot of different iterations there. So Elena, what, what for you, is, is that exciting? Is that terrifying? How, well, in a marketing perspective, that means a lot for so many different things, right? Uh, Amazon, you have your own ecosystem. Uh, it's about conversions, but off of Amazon, it's driving traffic. And you're talking about marketing and, and building out a customer list and all those things. Things you know that, but how terrifying or exciting is that for you as a marketer? I mean, for me, it's very exciting <laughs> because um, you have such like a, you have such a breadth and diversity of the amount of things that you're able to do once you start thinking broader and and broader than than just Amazon, right? So I think that you know we're acutely aware of like the customers that are really resonating with the products in our portfolio and what those like what that experience looks like for the consumers within our brands. And so that experience that we're creating, whether it be D2C or retail or, or wherever we're showing up. It's also it's curated for the customer that we're serving, right? Like we're meeting them where they're at. We're making sure that we're showing up for them, and all of these things, as we all know, like these shopping experiences are are deeply connected and weaved together. And so for me, it's very exciting because it presents a different challenge, and it, and it, it allows the creative team to have a lot of flexibility on the places and the use cases that they're designing for. And so that's a very I think uh, compelling part of like the story and the hook for for um, us is differentiated in the space for founders too, right? Like they've built this unbelievable brand and it's just this like small kernel, like Andrew said, of what it could be. And so we sort of bring all this horsepower of like our connections in retail and all of our branding expertise and our D2C and omni-channel presence. And so that's an exciting and really compelling differentiator for the founders that we work with. And they're really motivated and energized to see what their brand could look like on other channels and in other, in other places. So, I mean, for me, it's really exciting. I, I don't know, Andrew, if you feel the same, I'm sure you, I, I assume you do. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think to be clear, um, you know, we, we love the Amazon channel and I think that will always be a big part 
of what we do. I mean, as customers, we all interact with Amazon. I think it's a fantastic, you know, shopping and purchase experience. Um, and so, you know, we want our customers to be able to find and buy our products on Amazon. And a lot of what we do focuses on optimizing that channel. Um, but, you know, our, our interest in our goal, I think, starts from the standpoint of like understanding the customer um, for, for a product or brand that we have, and then building out from there. As Elena said, like, where are those customers? How do we connect with them? What's like the core value proposition and inspirational messaging that, um, that you know, makes, makes sort of a higher level connection associated with our product and brand? And then we kind of build out, you know, the strategy from there. So, you know, we're, we're not super prescriptive about like, we want, you know, the Shopify channel to be X percent of our revenue in two years. Um, it, it's a little bit more um, focused on and building out from an understanding of the customer group um, for each of our brands. Um, and I think Elena's done a fantastic job building, um, you know, a repeatable and, and sort of scalable system for, you know, diving under the hood of a brand getting at what is at that core, you know, having a clear view of the customer set, you know, where, where they are, what they'll respond to, and then sort of starting to build inspiring um, content and messaging um, and campaigns, you know, around that. So, yeah, I think it's super exciting. Like I, one of the, the questions that um, is always on my mind is like, what, you know, what is branding in the age of Amazon? And you see companies try to do this different ways. Some are like very, you know, they want to be very siloed. They want, don't want to be on Amazon. They try to like, you know, own all of their traffic and, you know, just live in this, their sort of, you know, um, owned website space. And then you see others that are Amazon only, of course. Um, and you see, you know, legacy offline brands trying to come online and figure it out. So, you know, it's just all of that is in a state of flux. And I think, you know, we're really interested in the the answer to like, what does, what does brand building look like in the age of Amazon, where it is such a dominant force um, online and frankly, like a world-class shopping experience, right? And so figuring out um, what that is and, and how that makes sense, you know, for each of our brands is, is a big part of what we think about. Does that narrow down the the brands that you look like or look at, I should say, for acquisition? Does it, does it, do you guys operate as a um, agnostic approach or is it more focused in terms of a uh, health and wellness or beauty or baby or toy or whatever that looks like, you know, you know the major categories that everyone looks at of there's so much profit and there's availability, or do you more look at a, you know, segment by segment, or is it more of a, if there's an opportunity for growth or uh, to tell a story behind it, that's what we're more, most interested in. Yeah. You know, we, so we both have like a narrower and wider um, aperture than I think other, other players in the space, narrower in the sense that like, our goal and interest is not accumulating a portfolio of Amazon storefronts, um, you know, just as an end goal, right? We want to have great products, we want to have great brands. Um, but also we have decades and decades on the team of, of e-commerce operational experience. You know, we've built DTC sites from, you know, a few million dollars to hundreds of millions. We've um, grown categories in, you know, multi-category retailers, Target.com, Amazon, um, you know, we operated marketplace businesses. And so we just, we have a lot of experience that lets us look at a much broader swath of businesses. You know, we, we can look at hundred percent DTC businesses and we have the experience you know, to build that traffic base and maintain it and grow it and do conversion optimization. We can look at hundred percent, you know, Amazon. So, you know, I think our, our base in terms of the channel spectrum that we cover is much wider than most, but I think that we apply an additional filter um, to, you know, kind of the typical screener that you see around digital real estate fundamentals and financial profile, et cetera, where like, you know, we're looking for businesses that the product we're selling, we would personally use and we would recommend like without hesitation to anybody in our life that we care about. And I think that's been one of the great things about this business is like every brand we have, like I use, um, I get for my family and friends um, on holidays for gifts, like I'm constantly recommending people because like we really believe in and love the product. And so, you know, that does narrow the aperture a little bit because a lot of the Amazon businesses out there um, are not that, um, but many of them are. And we've gotten really good at finding those types of founders and those types of businesses. And, and, and those are the ones that are the right fit, you know, for Suma. Um, so, Elena, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that at all. No, I mean, I completely agree with that. I think, of course, there's like there's something that's really compelling about a brand and a story that's already doing a really good job getting their messaging and, and that's that story across in that, in that ecosystem. And so, you know, it's really exciting to be able to think about like 
this is where it's at today. And if we, if only we had like X, Y, Z, then we could totally amplify and expand what's, what's happening here. And it is also just really motivating for the team that's working on these products to be personally invested in the success of the brand and the, you know, so that's, that's very motivating. I agree with Andrew. I also gifted a lot of Sumo products for, for Christmas. And so we do have a lot of love for the products and the brands in our portfolio. And I think that is a differentiator. We're not just like on this fast path to get a bunch of commodities and storefronts. It's really like a more focused and, and intentional approach to aggregating. Yeah, your guys' sales team is loving you guys. <laughs> <laughs> buying buying all of all your gifts. Hopefully, you're going through a channel that uh, the uh, successful channel that's. <laughs> yeah. Or is, uh, maybe that's an in-house. You can just walk down to the the sumo uh, store. Yeah, sumo store, or I guess a warehouse. If you guys do, you guys own a, have a warehouse or with any of these acquisitions? No, we don't. We don't operate our own. Um, so I, uh, one of the things I did at Dollskill was build the the in-house, you know, fulfillment capacity. So you know we've. We've done that before. Um, we currently, you know, we leverage Amazon FBA, obviously, um, and we leverage some really great 3PLs. So we're not we're not doing anything in house at this point, but it's always something that you know is on the roadmap to consider. Be on the lookout. Yeah. No, I I don't understand it. I understand that completely. Um, and then the other thing, other thing I want to say on that is like there's sure. there's still like there's an incredible there's just an enormous volume of Amazon businesses out there, as you know. Um, and so there's also like a, a huge volume of those that. You know, we're started by founders that are product obsessed or brand obsessed. And again, that, that's what we look for. Like, we love talking to founders where, you know, they can walk you, they're on like V23 of their product. And like, they've just maniacally set out to make a better mousetrap and like solve this problem. And a lot of times it's like something personal for them, right? Like they've tried to find this product that does X, Y, Z, and they've been really dissatisfied with the spectrum of options out there. And so they like set out on a mission to fix that. And I think what's been, you know, interesting for us is seeing that like, you know, one of the things about the Amazon ecosystem, all the billions and billions of dollars that, that they've poured into making it easy for sellers to start businesses is that, you know, it's it's the path of least resistance to monetize a product idea. Like if you're a product person and and you're, you know, iterating your widget and you want to sell it, like Amazon is one of the easiest ways to do that. And so we really view it as, you know, it's this ocean that's great to fish in um, to find, you know, these these founders that um, that had that product orientation or have like really um, thoughtfully and obsessively crafted like the starting point of a brand that's that's unique and differentiated and like connects authentically with a customer um, segment. So you know there's there's an enormous population of those out there on the Amazon marketplace. There's an even bigger population of total businesses and and a lot of different angles on the space. But you know that's that's just ours. We we look for that type of business. I'm trying to sorry this is this is something that i i'm trying to think of what path to to go off that because they're so it's so interesting and re refreshing to hear looking at more of i would hear almost i'm hearing more opportunity of iterations or just helping instead of looking at bottom line numbers it's really cut and paste and you can just put it into a spreadsheet instead of not to say that every aggregator does that but it's more how do you put the product at the forefront and let that speak? And maybe like, what is that going to look like in the future? A repeatable process, an add-on process, a a process that which it's going to truly do what it says it is instead of a, hey, this is a fidget spinner. It has a shelf life of two years. It's going to be really popular and then it's going to die off. We'll kill it and then move on to the next widget, if you will. Um, is that important for you guys maybe internally to either not just build externally or acquire from externally, but also build internally your own brands and own processes and own products on Amazon. Is that on the roadmap as well for either of you? Yeah, it's definitely on the roadmap. Um, and, you know, we're, we're building and have the muscle to do that type of thing, you know, with Elena and her team, and she can talk more about that, um, you know, and our, our product um, and brand uh, team. But, you know, right now it's just, we see so much opportunity and so many great starting points that have been built by founders. And it's really fun to be part of the process of rewarding them with an exit of benefiting from like working alongside them for some period of time where we can learn from them about, you know, what they've done that's excellent on their brand. And I mean, we've been so impressed, like the quality of founder and person that's out there running these businesses, like we can learn a lot from them. And I, you know, you hear a lot other players saying like, oh, you know, Cut, cut the founder out and we have this playbook and we make everything better and you know our our culture has has really been focused on trying to be low ego and always to be you know seeking the truth and to learn and to get better and the fact is like a lot of these founders are doing things you know 
very, very well. And in a way like for their space that it takes a while for a platform you know, to catch up with. And so we bring the things that we do really well, start optimizing that from the start, but then get the opportunity to learn from them, you know, how they built the brand about the customer set, like their obsession with the product. Um, and, and so we ramp up on that alongside them and they learn from us. And so it's, it's really like an accretive experience on, on both sides. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's something that, um, that that's really important to us, but yeah, I mean, I think at some point, you know, we would consider launching our own brands, there's just so much opportunity out there right now to continue to reward founders for the, the great things that they've built. Absolutely. Yeah. It, Elena, I, I guess in that question, when you are rewarding them, I, I I'm assuming that every single time that a business is in a talks or has these interactions with you or with other companies or Suma, you you're there's this promise right there's this unspoken promise or maybe spoken promise of this is your baby we understand you put blood sweat and tears we see the passion we want to replicate that but amplify it like we don't want to replicate it we just want to amplify that and build on this legacy does that is that a weight that you have you and your team have to like to live with or how do you help with the vision of that grow as part of suma but also having that genesis of where they started it from yeah, it's a good question. I mean, as Andrew was talking, that was that was what I was thinking, you know, too, is our thought our team is so thoughtful and really, really focused on delivering on the promise that we made to these founders, right? They brought us their business and it's their baby, and they put a ton of work into getting it to where it is today. And I think a huge part of this is being really humble and being really in tune with the things that have worked. And so you hear a lot about people taking brands and, and in this space, um, taking where they're at and then saying, we're gonna put it through our playbook, we're gonna up-level it, we're gonna do X, Y, Z. But the reality is that something is working really well about what they're doing today. And so we all have to acknowledge that and we have to get to the root of what's working. And what would be a total c catastrophe was if you did some massive rebrand or some totally like just um, some, some huge change that totally destroyed and alienated the customer set, right? So like we come into it with a lot of like curiosity and very low ego and wanting to just really get to the root of what's working. And it's a huge responsibility. I mean, they have put the trust in our team to in some in some cases, you know, they have an earnout. They're still very invested in the success of the business. And so we all carry that and we take that responsibility very seriously. And so all the more reason while while we're looking at a deal, while we're going through the process in the upfront, that we all are sort of in agreement that this is something that we're motivated by and we believe in and that there's an interesting story and that we feel like there's a high level of confidence that we could do something really great with it. Is that a resource that you guys tap into a lot is former found, the founders and they go back to them and say, hey, we're thinking about maybe updating the packaging or the logo or something along those lines, something that doesn't necessarily define the product, but something that enhances it. Is that yeah. a well that you guys tap into or find success in? Definitely. I mean, I have a really close relationship with all the founders that have sold to us because there's always a constant stream of communication. And so as our team's going into ideation for new ideas and coming up with um, seasonal content or what we're going to do for upcoming, um, you know, uh, spring, summer, whatever it might promos. be. Yeah, huge, yeah, promos, offers. Everything is is informed and the starting base is what, what did you do last year? What worked? What worked well? And there's only a certain amount that you can really get, you know, in the two to four week transition after mm -hmm. whatever the period of time where the founder's really involved. Like there's only a certain amount of information that you could really get. Like how do you download the whole history of five years of running a business in that short amount of time? And a lot of our founders have just been, you know, really excited and really energized by the work that we're doing. And so when we come back and say, check out this creative, check out this thing that we're working on. What do you think? They're super excited to see it and they love it. And so we take our relationships with our founders really, you know, really seriously. We want to keep them in the loop and involved and they like to see it too. And then on the flip side, if they don't want to be involved, then we won't bother them, you know? So it's really driven by them. But I think in the mo most cases for us, because probably driven by this, like this filter of how we've looked at, at companies, they 
have put their heart and soul into this. It's probably born out of a personal need. And so there's a lot of emotion wrapped up into the brand itself. They do want to stay involved in some capacity and at least be looped into what's going on and, and see. And it's fun for them to see what we do and see what they could take. Um, we just had this experience with one of our brands and we went back to the founder and he was like, I have been saying this for so long and I can't believe to see it come to life. It's just this totally surreal feeling to see everything that I've wanted for this brand to be manifesting. And so, I mean, that's, you know, amazing for our team to feel, for us to feel, for us to see that journey. So yeah, I feel like it's a huge responsibility, but it's one that we welcome and that we're really excited about. Yeah. yeah and I would say just to tack onto that, like, you know, there's certain, there's certainly areas where we come in and we can immediately make a big impact on the business um, because we can bring more capital to bear because we, you know, have built sophisticated planning and supply chain processes um, and have, you know, better rates and, and you know, um, more integrated partner relationships, et cetera. And so there's, there's a big swath of things that like we do come in and, and there's room to optimize right away. I think, you know, what Elena's describing is, there's a lot of value for us. And I think we've seen for founders and in, in having this more ongoing collaborative experience around really making sure that we're doing the right thing for the customer set and not missing something that they know from years of being buried, you know, in the business every day and obsessing over it um, and thinking about the product since they've been through all these iterations, there's often things they've thought about and tried, you know, that we can get, get ahead of. And so like really on that side of the business, um, we get a lot of value from interacting with founders and we're able to sort of, take all the stuff that is often less enjoyable for product and, and brand um, oriented founders off their plate and like optimize that based again on like, you know, years and years and years of doing this at scale um, and understanding, you know, how, how you get efficiency out of, you know, inventory planning, working capital deployment and supply chain, for example. Um, so yeah, that's, we, we look for that kind of win-win where we're taking the time to understand the things that they do uniquely well, but we're moving quickly on the things that we do uniquely well. Absolutely. Well, has that conversation changed from 2020 to even uh, like if you had a conversation today with the brand owner, has that struggle or those 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 barriers different in terms of their eyes of it was easier back then. Now I just I don't have the capital anymore. I can't figure out logistics like I, I can't magically make my goods appear in port or in a warehouse anymore. It's it's such a struggle and I don't have any capacity to grow it. Is that is that conversation changed in different ways in both good or bad ways, Andrew, that you're saying? Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I mean, it's not a secret that supply chain is tough right now. Um, I think, you know, even if you're not close to the space, you see the headlines on that. That's, that's how big a deal it is. Um, and like navigating that environment with extended supply chain and like higher freight costs, um, you know, the need for more working capital like that. I think that's like multiples harder for, you know, bootstrapped solopreneur than for like a well-capitalized, you know, enterprise level operator. Um, and so I think that, you know, we're finding more win-win scenarios where we, you know, again, we, we've kind of built the infrastructure and spend a lot of time trying to find um, founders who still really believe in their brand. Um, and, and they're, they're struggling, yeah, with like the, um, the pinch point created by supply chain right now, for example, and we can come in, you know, help solve that layer on other things that um, will drive growth. Um, and still give them like a share in the success of the business. So like a lot of the founders that we work with, you know, are very interested in earnouts. They believe in their brand. They, you know, might have continued to operate it if supply chain was running really smoothly. Um, they didn't need, you know, help at the enterprise scale. But those relationships are great because it's a win-win and it makes the pie bigger. Um, it lets them, you know, keep some of the upside in what they built. Um, and it lets us apply what we do really well to helping that scale. And again, at the end of the day, get that great product you know, into the hands of more customers to create more of those, um, you know, daily, daily moments that, that add like a lot of flavor to life. What, um, so obviously at, at scale, you guys are looking at growth. I think a lot of people back in 2019, before everything somewhat came into lockdown, there was a lot of talk about international growth. There was this momentum and I think it really throttled in the past two years, but I think now 2022 is this momentous occasion where I think a lot of people have said, Hey, we, we, we figured out logistics. We have that on lock as best we can. Um, we we have overcome all these different channels, but we realized that there's not just one channel we can solely depend on. It's not just Amazon. It's not just D2C. We have to be multiple different places in order to scale. 
does that look like what does that omni-channel approach look like to suma is that d to c is there is there more of a marketplace focus what, what does that omni-channel approach look like to you and the team or is that different from brand to brand um, I mean, it's different. It's different from brand to brand in terms of prioritization. But you know, we think DTC is a big part of you know most of the brands that that we have in our portfolio and we're working with. You know, we've built those businesses in the past. We think it's a great channel because you can do a lot more storytelling in a lot more flexible way um, than you can on marketplaces. And so, I think that's pretty much always going to be part of what we do. We're big believers in brick and mortar. Um, I know that sounds weird to say, but it's not weird. It's huge. It's a huge chunk of retail. And I don't think it's going to zero anytime fast, even though e-commerce is definitely the space to be. And we really see it as brand building in that, um, you know, I think as consumers, we all fundamentally understand that if you see a product online, if you see product A and B online, and, you know, two weeks ago, you saw product A on the shelf of a retailer that you have an accretive relationship for, you know, product A has more grant brand credibility, like out of the gate. And so, you know, we see it as a volume channel as a way to get in front of customers, but also as a way to build our brand through accretive relationships with like high quality retail partners. Um, and so we think that that's a big channel. And then, you know, certainly the other marketplaces. So for us, it's really about, um, you know, prioritizing for each brand where we think the biggest opportunity is. But again, our, our philosophy on building this business is, you know, we're building consumer product brands that align with customer sets. And we're not really trying to be super prescriptive about what channels we grow. We're trying to understand where are those customers? How can we best reach them? What's the right messaging you know, to put in front of them in each of those places um, to get them engaged with the brand? And so you know, we're, we're really thinking more about um, customers than sort of like channels for the sake of channels, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you want to layer anything onto that. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree with that. And also just like making sure that we're tailoring that experience by the place that we're showing up, but then it also feels really cohesive across that's, you know, to a customer, they don't, they don't care where they find you. It needs to be the same brand either way. So making sure that we have a lot of rigor around that as well. Right. Well, in, and to throw data statistics, which we all should be following if we're in business and entrepreneurs is e-commerce is only 15% of all of retail, whether where a transaction happens. And it, it seems such a small part of the pie, but that's what's exciting, I'm assuming, for businesses like you is Amazon is half of that 15%. But again, going into retail store, if I see it in a grocery store, a CVS, or I'm going to a Macy's, whatever retailer is still operating out there in a brick and mortar store, that's where a majority, again, 75 walk back let's do math today 15 percent or 85 percent is 15 let's do math today on a friday um there's uh 85 percent of business is still happening in a brick and mortar store so wherever that might be happening it, it's a big play and where you're going to see eyeballs um you know on a day-to-day -day basis uh shelf i mean shelves are still king and if you can get retail stores and if i i, I used to work for a d to c d to c company and I still get giddy when I see some of the products I was selling in a gifting garden store. Like that's yeah. weird. And I didn't work for them for six and like six <laughs> or five years ago. Uh, but I still think it's really cool to see brand recognition yep. it's on a shelf th that has a power to in, in itself. Um, it, it's hard to brand on Amazon. That's getting better. I know people are still the follower functionality, the, you know, the A plus content, all that good stuff that we can talk about at nauseam on this podcast before. Um, but it's super important to make that play into retail st uh, stores as well. So wow. the uh, in the couple of minutes that we have for both of you, what 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 does like 2022 really mean for you guys? I'm assuming like now we're coming off of that high of Q4. Hopefully everything was successful and you guys saw tremendous growth. If you want to add on to that, but what is what does the momentum look like for 2022? Where's that really big focus for you guys? Yeah, I think um, I can hit that at a high level. Um, and then Eleni can maybe talk about it from a branding perspective. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, our business is accelerating, like we're doing, you know, progressively more and more deals um, each month. Um, we're finding, you know, more and more of the businesses that that we want to be involved with. And so that's really great. So I think 2022 is going to be big in terms of just increase in scale for us, but increase in scale, you know, in the right way, um, acquiring the type of businesses that's the best fit you know, for Suma and what we do. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I think we've got 
on the product front, like a lot of new iterations and products that we're launching within our brands to flesh out the line in, in, you know, uh, in the context of starting to build like a broader consumer brand in, in some of our businesses, and then just improving quality and functionality of some of the products that we've acquired often in, in partnership with the founder on those. Um, so that's really great. And then operationally, I think we're all kind of, uh, everybody in the space is you know, interested in what's going to happen with supply chain. We sort of have the point of view that it's going to continue to look a lot like what it does today for a while. And so we've spent a ton of time and, and energy and um, built a lot of relationships and tools to, to be successful in that environment. So continuing to optimize that so that we can flow product more effectively, have it in stock, you know, for customers when and where they want it um, and, and deliver that with, you know, predictable quality and economics, you know, that our business needs. So um, I think a lot of exciting things just in terms of, of scale and what's being added to our brand portfolio. Um, and starting to extend um, and expand product offerings within our businesses and then continuing to optimize, you know, on the real side of the business, um, which is supply chain. So, uh, Elena, I'm sure you have more fun comments on the, yeah. the branding side. <laughs> no, I mean, I think with with the scale, we're focused on becoming more and more efficient wherever we can, but then also never compromising the integrity of the brand and not losing that brand magic like you can't over operationalize it to the point where you've lost what makes the brand special in the first place and so as we grow and as we bring on more brands making sure that we have a really streamlined super efficient super fast quick to the finish line process but always maintaining that integrity of the brand always continuing to uh, focus first and foremost on the experience and the stories and, and the stories that we're telling and then building deeper relationships with our customers. Tactically, that means, you know, building our customer sets, but but really making sure that we're super in tune with who our customers are, what they want, listening really closely to their feedback, having them inform our product development process, having them inform. In some cases, we have a brand where we work really closely with parents in product development to actually get their feedback so that we can uh, adjust along the way. So really taking that relationship very seriously um, and you know, continuing to weave a very close relationship with our customers. And then just testing, like you said, we should all be listening to data. We should all be driven by data. And so making sure that everything that we're doing is structured in a really rigorous way and that it's set up to be a test and that at the other side, we have learnings. And that I would say is really like, you know, a lot of the, the focus going into this year is like doing really exciting big things, but then making sure on the other side of it that we have a really, a really insight, like insightful uh, takeaway and learning that can then be applied to the whole portfolio. So it's fun and it's exciting. And as we bring on all these new brands, it's been really, really exciting to see sort of the overlap and the things that we can learn and, and, and apply across to other brands. And then also the new challenges that comes with each one. Um, so it's been really fun and we're just excited to see what the year brings. I think that coming into this year, we have a much bigger team. We have a totally different, you know, setup and structure. And so I think we're sort of like, in a just very different place. When I joined last year, we were still very much in the in the early days. And so it's really exciting going into this year and seeing how much the space has evolved and feeling really good about where we're at. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think like all that comes to the thing that I'm, I'm the most excited about is like, I think we'll bring many more um, great people into the fold and into the Sumo family, whether it's on our team or you know, as founders that we're working with. So, you know, just my, my plug here at the end is like, you know, if, if, if you run an Amazon or a DTC business, and you're product obsessed, you're very thoughtful about your brand, and you're looking for, you know, an enterprise level partner to, to help you scale that and get that out into the world and into the hands of more customers. Like we want to talk to you. Um, you can find us through our website, sumobrands.com. Um, and then if you're a, a, a person who is passionate about brand building and products and retail and customers, and you like to be scrappy and um, test and learn and figure out how things work and you want to build, um, you know, come join our team. We've got a lot of, a lot of openings and we're always looking for, you know, more of the right people to, to bring, um, to bring out of the team. So we'd love to talk to you too. You can also, you can also find uh, out more about that on our website. Um, and then you can reach out to either of us directly. Uh, I'm Andrew at sumobrands.com. Elena's Elena at sumobrands.com. Um, but we're always happy to, to hear from, from people out in the world. So don't hesitate to do that. 
man, you stole my thunder at the end. It's so far, <laughs> like I have to keep people up and like, hey, make sure we talk about how we can get in touch with you. But yeah. <laughs> everyone, I mean, I'm glad I have this all queued up and ready to go. I'm I'm following Andrew today. So <laughs> you know, have we gotten any comments about about like walking socks? Yeah, no, uh <laughs> honestly, no. I, I think people are taking notes because I am uh, but that's okay. People will watch this later on. They're either on snow day today and it's Friday, but yeah. Um but you know, it's a uh, walk, walk in socks. Like that, this is this is the question that we're gonna have to like really highlight in our uh, highlight section. On I think so. I mean, make like, sure a lot more people. I gotta be honest, it would really make my day to get a random email from somebody who is listening with like, "Hey, I, I thought about my walk in sock, and this is it." So absolutely, I need to think more about this too. It's um, yeah. it's definitely a personality test. That would be a good interview yeah. question, maybe. It um, is. It is. Again, um, creative aspects. Yeah. Talk about personal branding. That's like your sort of like the encapsulation of your manifesto and your person. It feels so high pressure. I feel, I don't know if I could get just, I don't know if I could get down to just one. It feels too high pressure. Yeah. That, I think it's set up for an interview. Like make sure you arrive with your walk-in song. Like, yeah. your, your, your will be ready. Don't even go on camera yet. You have to play that before yeah, you can turn on your camera. <laughs> And that'll just like that'll set the preface to uh if you get a second callback or not but yeah uh, that'd be good that my other question that i i think i always say is the weirdest one coming into an interview of any sort is if there is an elephant that appeared in your lawn what would happen and how like what would you do again random it's just one of those things that i don't get that engagement too much but that was certainly nothing applied to whatever that that company was it was just yeah. uh what would, what would you do if that happened i'd be like well this would be a dangerous thing because i'm in southern indiana and uh <laughs> on the loose that i would yeah. i don't know <laughs> what do you want me to say um exactly no but for both of you thank you so much for hopping on today um i know that there's so much advice and so many opportunities for people to exit their brain but i think this is something unique that you guys have have put a a, a flag in the ground if you will and said hey this is who we are we're putting brain focused and forward messaging together um don't need to be flashy but we need to what we're doing is helping people understand take it to the next level and i think success is going to be big for you guys in the future so thank you for hopping on crossover commerce today i always say friends of the show now you're more than welcome to come back into the corner my corner of the internet where i uh to talk on anything that you might have learned or seen in the space and are you guys going to be at any shows or are we going to see you guys in um expos or anything like that this year yeah, we're still uh, still making plans. But we'll be we'll be out there and in, in present. So maybe we could connect um, live. That'd be cool. Yeah. Are you going to be at Prosper or is that a still yeah, TBD? We'll, we'll be at Prosper. Okay, perfect. We'll have to connect there. That yeah. coming up quickly. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know. <laughs> but yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Andrew and Elena. Uh, if you guys stick right there, we'll make sure we um, just cap uh, off show off air. And uh, thank you so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce. So um, thanks again for um, coming on today. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Awesome. And thank you, everyone, who was tuning in um, live on episode. I'm going to get this back up here. 214 of Crossover Commerce. Again, this is my corner of the internet called Crossover Commerce. If you're new to the space, go ahead and follow Ping Pong Payments on social media, whether it be on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, or myself. You can follow on most social media channels. Best way to do that is on LinkedIn. Um, just search Ryan Kramer. And, of course, follow us on um, all your favorite podcast destinations that can be on Apple, Google, Amazon Music. We're on all the major platforms. So once audio versions come out, you can check those out. Or, of course, go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast for all the videos and transcripts of every episode. No one ever thinks if they want to read back and we can look back at, at highlights and guests, but you get that on our website. So make sure you check out that. All the links to follow our guests, as always, will be in every episode. That being said, happy Friday, everyone. We'll catch you guys next week. We have more episodes coming your way. We have great people from First Choice Shipping as well as Marketing by Emma coming up next week. Um, friends of the show, as always, coming back to talk about sourcing logistics, but also um, more about optimizing your listing. Talked with Emma yesterday. She's really excited about coming back on. So that being said, we'll catch you guys next time on another episode of Crossover Commerce. Take care.